0: Hey guys, bowl season is almost over. Still good time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends just sit around watching the game. No, have a little something on it. 5, 10, 15, 20, who knows how many bucks. There were a record 41 bowl games to bet on this year and you've missed most of them, but not all of them including New Year's Day coming up and it also includes the national championship game on Jan Seven. It really is still the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you are ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, which is always key. Ownership cares about good customer service, and they do offer some of the craziest prop bets around. Where you bet is just as important as who you are betting on, and if you want to make money during this, the bowl season and the playoffs in the NFL, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them. And you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming college basketball season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, it's Bama versus Clemson, Roman numeral number three for all the marbles. Excited? Of course I am. Feel these nipples. That said, is college football really well-suited to a playoff? I report, you decide. The Redskins season ends on a wet turn. The Kirk haters got their Festivus. All that plus a savage beatdown in the UFC. Your essential Sports Talk Day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Monday, December 31st, 2018. This is it for 2018. I hope it was a good year. If it sucked for whatever reasons, personal, career, your sports teams, hey, let's hope 2019 is even better. Thanks for downloading. We hit a milestone for the year on downloads. Yes, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary. One year ago, in some crazy, insane spur of the moment, I said, you know, I've got broadcast jobs. I want to do a podcast, too. Seems like podcasting is all the rage. Uh, yeah, boss, but don't you really have a job doing radio? I do. But I said, let me try some podcasting. Maybe it'll give me a chance to go further, to go deeper, to go different, to go quicker, to go slower, to talk about shit I wouldn't otherwise talk about, to say shit on the air, to say fuck on the air, to get yelled at by people for saying, why do you say that? I try to listen to your podcast with my kids in the car. I can't believe it, but one year later, I actually like it. In fact, no, I, I love it. I love that you people listen and you download, and I see the downloads. And by the way, when I said I hit a milestone, I hit a milestone for actually doing this for one year with really not a lot of time off. I know you're going to yell at me and say, what are you talking about? I I worked all this past week when I was off for my radio gig because I said, that, you know, well, why not? What else do I got to do? I'll knock out 35, 40 minutes a day. But no, I, I, uh, I liked doing it. I still like doing it. And you people have support. Ported this endeavor and I cannot thank you enough so I would I would brag about the milestone in ter- terms of number of downloads for the year but I've been told that th- the whole download thing is a very secretive thing in podcasting and I I hate to be like Mike Francesa afraid to say how many downloads I get per episode or per week or you know how many subscribers I have it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I have more than enough people downloading and listening and more than enough subscribers to want to keep going bigger, better, stronger. That's all that matters to me. I'm not trying to compare with anybody else. I know I will never reach the the certain podcast strata of some people out there. I mean, maybe I could someday. I'm sure I'm, I'll get some suggestions like, well, you got to do this. and You got to do that. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get there. I'm not even really trying to get there. Of course, if I get fired from all of my other jobs, then yeah, I will probably get more downloads. But eh, I'd like to keep doing both for now. So I won't say what milestone we hit for the year, but I'm very happy about it. I'm thrilled with it. I feel proud for myself because I didn't think this was possible. And I want to thank you for being there and going download, 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 download. Appreciate that. And it was a I was coming up as I'm looking at the numbers in December. There was a there was an even number mark. And I was like, oh God. It looks like I might make it, might not make it. And I'm like, I hope we make it. And we did. So thank you very much. It's a it's a big number to me. And I'll just leave it at that. All right, let's get into it. College Football national championship game. Who's excited? Alabama versus Clemson, Roman numeral number three, the rubber match for all the marbles. Yes, it is technically the fourth meeting between the two now powerhouse programs, but it'll be the third time for the title. Clemson has one, Alabama has the other, so this one would be for bragging rights. Of course, it doesn't mean that Clemson's going to go anywhere. A whole bunch of their studs right now are freshmen and or sophomores, and they will be back next year. And, of course, Alabama under Nick Saban is like a shark with rows of teeth that just keep replenishing and replenishing and replenishing. Odds for the title game are Alabama minus six. Pretty much across the board. That's the consensus. I'm looking at the vsin.com lineup uh, for this particular game. going to be tempting to take Clemson. Notre Dame obviously laid an egg. I mean, this was a case where a lot of people said, "Told you, told you, never invite them again." This is what they always do. They're good, but they're not as good as they think they are, and with their schedule. And they people point out a lot of different things. They said they said Georgia should have been in the Final Four, and an argument could have been made for Georgia. Georgia has had though some squeaky greasy outcomes this year, in which. They didn't show very well against much lesser teams. And, yes, they had Alabama dead to rights and let them off the mat, but we don't know. As I said, and so you had, you had one game, you know, and, of course, that was one game which was on Saturday night, which was a total dud in terms of interest and competitive standpoint. And then the nighttime game, Alabama jumps out to a big early lead, and it was essentially over. And they just then kept Oklahoma at arm's length and Kyler Murray, who's spectacular, Uh, Got to like 11 at one point, and they pretty much closed him out. The highlight of the night was Nick Saban smashing his headphones, which I gotta say, I can't criticize that because I've done that myself. For those loyal listeners of my many shows can attest, that's a, a running gag from back in the day. I was just so pissed off about missing a post or a music bed not sounding, and I'm sure I was tired and hangry. And I was like, I've had enough. And I just smashed my headphones against a garbage can in the studio. I don't get so mad anymore because I realize, hey, it's just radio. This show is going to go whoosh, waft out into the ether. Nobody's going to remember it. And there'll be another show tomorrow and another show tomorrow. And the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. Um, my favorite part of Nick Saban smashing his headphones was not only Herm Edwards and the other coaches, Gary Patterson, I forget the other two that were, uh, Dino Babers was one, uh, in that studio, the alternate feed on ESPN, the coaches' film room, which is hilarious and weird and addictive, but also annoying at the same time because the game's going on and the coaches are looking at a play from two plays ago, just rewinding it, rewinding it, rewinding going, look at this here, you You don't get the right seal here, and the backer comes up and sheds his block. Next thing you know, they're trying to double up and scoop the outside defensive end. They lose. You're like, the game's going on. Do you not want to watch the game? That's why you got to listen to the main feed. The coaches were laughing their ass off, and they were tut-tutting Nick Saban while laughing. And I'm sure all of them thought, boy, I wish I could freak out like that and get away with it. Because when you're Nick Saban, you can freak out and get away with it. There's not going to be any great deep think pieces about is Nick Saban a lunatic who needs to dial it down. On the false start that cost him on fourth and short, where the fullback was like leaning forward, Nick Saban loses his mind. The the other funniest part of of that, when he smashed his headset, was watching Van Pelt on Van Pelt Center afterwards narrate the highlights (laughs) And when Saban smashes his headsets, Van Pelt's like, Do better! Do what I say, you idiot! Or something like He didn't say idiot, but it was, it was funny. It was a good little bit of narration. But when you're Nick Saban, you get away with that. I remember when Brian Kelly, early in his tenure at Notre Dame, went completely red-faced ballistic on the sideline. There was a little bit of pushback, because he hadn't won anything at the time, and it was like, dude, really? These are college kids, man. They Yeah, they're good football players, but they're gonna make mistakes. You need to chillax just a bit. Anyway, I enjoyed watching both games. I was disappointed they weren't closer, but it got me to thinking about, okay, now everyone's gonna go to Twitter to bitch about what, you know, what should have been, who should have been in, everything else. And I was in the tweet mood. I'd had a few cocktails. Uh, Cowboy Mike and his girl Janice came over to watch at least the first game. And so I, I launched a thread on Twitter. Oh, yes. The dreaded thread where it's like, I have an opinion. That's going to take more than 140 characters. Actually, 240, 144, 288, whatever the number is. Here's what I said. If you don't follow me on Twitter, if you don't, you should, but here it goes. At Zabe. I wrote, the truth about college football that we, all of us, mostly refuse to accept is that it just doesn't lend itself well to an NFL style of playoff. And it doesn't matter how many teams you put in the stew, because strength of programs are too disparate, and the regular season scheduling is too quirky, that it's hard to identify the best teams. And the sample size, you know, only 12 games, 16, you, you know a little bit better. It's just too all over the place. Certain conferences, obviously you don't play equally you're the East and the West, and the SEC has an issue with that. Uh, you Sometimes conferences are overloaded in one half of the conference versus the other, and it can be cyclical. It might go that way for 10 years before it rebalances or flips to the other side. So it's hard to find who the best teams are. You just don't really know. Also, the economics of college football favor things like shameless bowl games and money grabs and the conference championships and cupcake scheduling and a bunch of other stuff. Also, what doesn't lend itself well to a full-style playoff is that I can't, even though I defend the amateur model and I say, these kids are getting plenty, they're getting a great deal. I'm not into paying the players. I don't want to make college a mini pro ecosystem because there's too many problems with that. Even as a defender of the amateur model, which I am, I can't, in good conscience, sign off on making these kids play three additional hard contact games at the end of an already length, already at the end of an already lengthy season. And you can say, well, 8, eight team playoff, there's only one, there's only two teams that'll play three more games and that's if you make the top two teams play all three of them. Let's see 8 to 4, that's one game. 4 to 2, that's another. 2 to 1, there's a third. Yes, I got it right, 3. Don't argue. Well, only two teams have to play an additional 3 games. Yeah, the two best teams with the two best sets of players and the two best sets of players who will have the most NFL millionaires-to-be out there smashing each other to bits for three extra weeks on top of a 12-game regular season plus a conference title game. That's 16 games. That's a bit much for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. The other argument is, what about 1AA? They play an even bigger bracket. My feeling on that, and it's just my feeling, you can argue with it, you can disagree, my feeling on that is that you don't have as many NFL players coming from the FCS ranks. You do have a good amount. Somebody tweeted me that like 13% of the NFL's opening day rosters were FCS players. But you don't have as many. That's that's a lot, but it's also not a lot considering there's 125 FCS programs or Division 1AA and 13% of the pro ranks. So you're talking what Oh, boy, now I'm into math here. One every ten programs or something like that. It's just different. I, I don't feel good about making guys, you know, who are going to possibly blow up their knees or get a broken leg or who knows what, play three extra games. So that's kind of where I'm on that. And the other thing about college football's playoff is that I firmly believe college football is similar to to the NHL and Major League Baseball in terms of fan interest. You root like crazy for your team, for the most part, until they are out. And then the national appeal of college football with deep rosters of guys that you don't probably know is a whole lot thinner than other people believe or TV executives believe. This then launched me into a Twitter fight with my friend Kevin Sheehan, who is a big college football fan. And is not ashamed to say it. And a big college football expert, I'm sure, in his own eyes. He bets a lot on college football. He knows a lot about college football. But there seems to be a bit of peacocking with some people that are big. I'm a big college guy. Guys like Colin Coward. They love to talk about, I'm a big college guy. And they they learn a few more names than the next guy. And they they like to show that off. Like, I'm sophisticated. I watch all these four-hour games on Saturday. I love it. I'm watching Boise State right now versus Fresno. I'm scouting future NFL players. Okay, that's great. I believe that college football is mostly a regional sport that has a very strong my-team interest in it. It doesn't mean that college football is less popular than the NHL or Major League Baseball. Football is the most popular sport in America. It is the national sport. And college football is more popular than the NHL and and Major League Baseball in general. I won't get into attendance numbers or ratings, TV ratings, but football, greater sign, hockey and baseball. I'm willing to say that because I think it's true. But you look at some of the TV ratings for some college football games, they're not impressive. Like this year, the number one game television-wise of the year was Bama LSU, which was a 29 to nothing beatdown. By Alabama the second highest game was Penn State versus Ohio State which was I think was a 5.3 and I maintain that when you're down in the 5.3 range for a rating remember now the Stanley Cup finals averaged around a 3 rating and that was between the Las Vegas Golden Knights a team that has no stars and just popped up last year against Mike Caps and Alex Ovechkin. That's not the greatest draw ever. Only went five games, not seven. I mean, you're within shouting distance, at least, right there. Now, again, you're saying, well, regular season game compared to the Stanley Cup Finals. Why don't you compare apples to apples? I'm not going to make the comparison. All I'm saying is college football with a 5.3 for a so-called big game, like Ohio State versus Penn State, whose markets are the entire state of Pennsylvania and the entire state of Ohio. That That's that's not an impressive number, at least it isn't to me. Last year's LSU-Alabama game, another marquee game, big game, number one Alabama, number 19 LSU, was on in primetime on CBS, and it drew a piddling 3.7 rating, which is hard to believe, but it was. This year's was a lot higher, probably because of the two-a factor, probably because LSU is ranked hire themselves. I don't know what the number, I don't have the number. I I didn't look up the numbers of what the semis were. It doesn't really matter to my argument. My only argument is, I like college football. I I just have been underwhelmed at what it is now as a playoff. And I started thinking, well, why isn't it good as a playoff? Why doesn't it work as a playoff? And I think there's a lot of factors going against it. Am I advocating to bring back the BCS? No. Would I be opposed to moving it to eight games? No. I'd be okay with that. My only point is, if you move it to eight games, be prepared for it to not cure all the current woes and controversies of the college football playoffs that exist right now. And don't expect it to be some big television ratings Bafo success. It's my only point. And for that point, I got labeled by Sheehan as somebody who doesn't like college football. He tweeted me, yeah, we get it. You don't like college football, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, no, I like it. You love it. But I like it. I watch those games. I can't name as many college players as other people can, but I like it. I love the pageantry of it. I love the fall Saturdays. I love the college co-eds. We all wish we still were. It's great, but it doesn't I think lend itself to a doesn't lend itself to a to a NFL style playoff like everyone thought it would. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Hey guys, bowl season is almost over. Still good time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends just sit around watching the game. No, have a little something on it. 5, 10, 15, 20, who knows how many bucks. There were a record 41 bowl games to bet on this year and you've missed most of them, but not all of them, including New Year's Day coming up. And it also includes the national championship game on Jan seven. It really is still the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you are ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, which is always key. Ownership cares about good customer service, and they do offer some of the craziest prop bets around. Where you bet is just as important as who you are betting on, and if you want to make money during this, the bowl season and the playoffs in the NFL, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them and you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now, and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming college basketball season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. On to the Redskins. Well, 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 24 nothing, Eagles at FedEx Field in a game in which the crowd was conservatively estimated at 70% Eagle fans, and they were rewarded by seeing their team thoroughly dominate the Redskins and get into the playoffs thanks to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings coming up limp against the Chicago Bears. More on that in just a quick second. This was another embarrassment for Redskin fans to see this out there. Josh Johnson threw a pick on the very first play on offense, and it was downhill from there. At one point, the Eagles had outgained the Redskins by an absurd total, like 220 to, to 16, or something absurd like that. They controlled the football, they dominated time of possession by well over 2 to 1. They had a 19-play drive for a touchdown that consumed 12 minutes. Nick Foles, before he got hurt in this game, completed 25 passes in a row. And yet afterwards, you had some guys like Trevor Maddich, who I like a lot and I respect, saying he thought he saw guys playing hard out there. No fucking way. It's It's impossible. If that was the hardest our current players could play, and the defense, remember, was full of guys who are starters and mostly healthy. If that's how you're going to play at your hardest, then there's literally no hope for anything because you don't have good enough players, which can be part of the problem. But yeah, it was was awful. It was awful. It was ugly. It was bad. It was another low point. And to make it even worse, for some reason, Dan Snyder thought, ooh, I'm going to bring Joe Gibbs back to this game. Trot him out on the field and give him some I guess they honored him or something who knows. I saw the pictures and I saw the video of him and I simply tweeted this is this is depressing. De- depressing? Oh no, I said this is embarrassing on multiple levels. And that got me into yet another sort of Twitter argument over the merits of how Joe Gibbs left the franchise the second time around. First let me back up. I said, this is embarrassing on multiple levels. No explanation needed. Well, a number of reds, non-redskin fans from all over the country said, well, please explain. I, I, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of the, of the franchise history. The reason it's embarrassing is because, A, Joe Gibbs could have easily said, yeah, yeah, I can, boy, I'm, I'm neck deep in NASCAR right now. What do you mean? It's the offseason. Yeah, I got to change tires. He could have come up with an excuse, Joe Gibbs, and not come to this game. But he chose... To do so. So I asked myself, self, why would he choose to come to this game that Dan Snyder knew would be a terrible game for him to come to? What are you going to tell Joe Gibbs? Hey, Joe, place is going to be rocking. We are playing for home field advantage all throughout the playoffs. We're playing Dallas. We're loaded. We're rolling. We've scored 40 points. We're on a five game win streak. Why don't you come and come out before the game? It's going to be great. He knew that that was not the case. So why bring him to a literal turd of a game? Well, you know why. As the shiny distraction to Redskin fans of, hey, uh, forget all this other misery you're currently enjoying, the 24-0 beatdown, the 70-80% to Eagle fans who are in attendance. Remember Joe Gibbs? You like Joe, right? He's the guy that won the trophies for the team back before I bought it. Yay. The sad thing, the embarrassing thing is A, Snyder decided that would be a good idea. And B, Joe showed up for it. Now, Joe is a grown man. He doesn't have to show up for this. He didn't, it's not like he is under subpoena power. You have to show up. He could have said no. So, only two options for why he would say yes, like, oh, yeah, I want to come to that game. That's going to be great, would be A, He genuinely feels bad for Dan and wants to support his friend at a low point right now in the season and with the franchise. If that's the case, that's enough to make me barf. And the other case is that, well, maybe Joe Gibbs has a lucrative retainer or a personal services contract with Snyder and the team. And Snyder can call in these chits every now and then to say, Hey, I need you to make an appearance. You know, you're know, you going to give me five appearances a year at this, this, and this, and I'm going to pay you a million dollars. If that's the case, bah, disgusting. Joe Gibbs was my idol growing up as a Redskins fan as a teenager. He was Saint Joe. He could do no wrong. And to see him show up for this game, whether it's because he wants to help Snyder, who he has a soft spot for and maybe is friends with, or because he's getting money under the table in a personal appearances deal, that is heartbreaking to a lot of us. We don't want our boyhood idols anywhere near this nuclear dump of a team right now. And that goes the same for Doug Williams, I said this earlier in the year when the Reuben Foster controversy came up. I said, I don't want Doug Williams associated with this at all. Don't make him come out and explain why they decided to hi, uh, decided to sign Reuben Foster. No, get Bruce Allen to do that. But no, that was Joe Gibbs out there. Game was terrible. My God, Josh Johnson looked like, well, yeah, this guy's not that good. Of course, the Redskins were on their fourth and fifth line guards. And the Eagles front, including Fletcher Cox and Martellus Bennett, were going through them like shit through a tin horn. And so, yeah, Martellus Bennett, Martellus was the tight end. Michael Bennett, thank you. You know, they were going through our guards like crazy, and Josh Johnson didn't have much of a chance. Our wide receivers sucked, couldn't get any ground game going. But, God, could the defense have done something? Could you have stopped the Eagles at all? 25 in a row for Nick Foles. That's ridiculous. Foles did get hurt late in the game. Bruised ribs. Probably going to play next week against Chicago. N- uh, Nate Sudfeld came in. Former Redskin. He was one of our developmental guys. Had him stashed on the roster like a seventh rounder out of Indiana, I want to say. He's on the Eagles now. Didn't look like he sucked totally. And the Eagles went on and dominated and won the game 24 nothing. I asked a rhetorical question, which was, I guess, a stupid question, but I had to ask it anyway. If the Redskins had hung on to win in Tennessee last Saturday and they looked good in doing so, if they had hung on to win instead of throw that game away at the very end, then would the Redskins have played a lot better this week? Would DJ Swearinger still be here because he wouldn't have popped off after the game and so he wouldn't have had to have cut him? Would the stands have been at least 50-50 Redskins fans and Eagle fans knowing that we were playing for a playoff spot? Would it have been a tooth and nail, knock-down, slobber-knocker NFC East game? The general consensus on Twitter is no and no. They wouldn't have been any better and the stands would have been just about as bad. Okay. So anyway, what's the hope in the offseason? What do I want to see happen? Well, I'd love to see Bruce Allen fired and gone and out of the organization. I don't think that's going to happen. Did you notice, by the way, the yellow pants? Of course you did, Redskin fans. That's a Bruce Allen thing. Why weren't they wearing yellow pants all year? Well, it's now very obvious and clear it was a Brian LaFamina thing. So to go to the yellow pants for one game after LaFamina and his cronies are ousted says Bruce is rubbing it in. That's spike in the football. And it's tough because I do love the mustard. But they were yellow pants with one big brown shit stain right in the middle of them. I'd love for Bruce to be gone. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't care if Jay goes because he is really amongst the least of our problems. I don't know what to do. Next year, I've told you my plan. I want them to suck. I want them to eat a lot of crap. Next year, I want them to eat cap, dead cap money and cap space. They're going to have to eat it on Alex Smith if he plays or if he doesn't play or if he plays half a season late or who knows what. I want to cut, cut, cut anyone you can or move anyone you can and accelerate the cap eating, the cap space eating next year. And I'd love to win three games like Arizona did this year. And then you fire... Jay Gruden, and then you draft a quarterback like hmm, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That would be my plan. That would be my hopes. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Bruce might get a new title. He might get reassigned. I think Jay's going to stay. They're going to convince themselves, you know what? We just got a bad break or two. We had 24 guys on injured reserve. It's not that bad. We'll figure it out next year. And they'll press ahead. And it's going to suck next year. I have no real hope for you. I've, I've written a piece. You'll see it at Zabe.com. Uh, I'm going to make it a resolution this year to resume writing five days a week. Just quick 500-word things on something or another, some written word product on Zabe.com. And I write about the failed, the failed football state that is the Redskins. They are a lawless football Somalia. <laughs> Packers aren't much better either. They got shut out 31 to nothing, and Aaron Rodgers got a concussion. Good. How's that leadership thing working out for you? Joe Philbin is a zilch, and there's no reason he should be considered whatsoever. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers thinks about him. I did see where Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern coach, was either considered or interviewed for the job, a number of other guys you got a narrow window here with Rodgers, and you got a lot of roster overall that has to happen with the Packers. They do not have a good, I mean, there's just not enough good, nasty players. And the franchise, I think, needs an edge. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Greg Williams is the asshole you need right now. Who cares? Well, is he really the coach for the next 10 years? No, no. You need an asshole for three years that's going to build you a badass defense as quickly as possible. And have an edge as a head coach. So that Aaron Rodgers can work with whatever coordinator you give him. And he can have input on that coordinator. You take the offense as a side project and you tell Aaron Rodgers quietly, look, you're going you're gonna to have a real direct hand in the coordinator. I want you guys to be on the same page. I want you to build an offense that works for the personnel we got and the personnel we can go get and your strengths. And meanwhile, you're not going to be on the hook for, well, this is Aaron Rodgers' head coach. He picked the head coach, so you know, if something goes wrong, then it's blame Aaron Rodgers. Greg. The a-hole you need. Which then brings us now to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. They were dominated again by the Chicago Bears. And Kirk Cousins came up remarkably small. It is the festivus that the Kirk haters have been waiting for for a long time. Look, I won't defend Kirk on Sunday. He was weak and ineffective. He didn't have the most help on the offensive line or with a running game, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. He just wasn't good enough in that moment. Kirk Cousins now against winning teams is 5 and 25. That's a real stat. That can't be ignored. He is who he is, but I got a lot of tweet. I got one tweet from somebody that said, "You just have to give up on Kirk now," or something to that effect, or just give it up on him. I'll never give up on liking Kirk Cousins, and I'll never give up on saying I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I've already said I know he's overpaid, or he's overpaid. I know that. That's what happens when you become a free agent and you put up good numbers. I would not want him, or if I'm the Vikings, I would not want Case Keenum back. I mean, Case Keenum is a gunslinger who throws a bunch of picks, and I think he's reached his limit as a starter. Case Keenum didn't make the playoffs either in Denver, and he's probably going to get Vance Joseph fired. Although Vance Joseph, having the time of his life, may deserve to be fired for a whole bunch of other reasons. I like Kirk Cousins for one simple reason. He got the hell out of the Redskins that's what his journey here was all about it wasn't so much betting on himself it wasn't so much thinking oh, I'm this great franchise quarterback it wasn't him sniffing at a pretty lucrative free agent deal or a pretty lucrative deal that he could have signed a multi-year deal he just wanted out he saw the shitheads up close in this organization and he wanted out and he got out He got out and he got paid. I respect that. I appreciate that. He's a hero to me for doing that in a certain way. It's hard to understand unless you sat here front row and watched everything that went down. And he is a nerdy, try-hard overachiever. He's sort of this generation's Chad Pennington. Just a good enough arm. Just skilled enough at the position. No exceptional superpowers. And yeah, he's not clutch. I'll grant you that. Because I went and looked at you know the the Bears defense is pretty nasty. And Adam Gase, not Adam Gase, so he's gonna Matt Nagy has an edge to him that is sort of Sean Payton like. And I like it. I dig it. He played that game to win for fun. And because why not? You got two of their wide receivers banged up. One was a separated shoulder. Taylor Gabriel got hurt as well. But he didn't care. He's like, we're going to play this game. Until it was out of reach, they didn't bench anybody. And that defense has been pretty nasty. I'm looking at the uh, last five or six games. Uh, Let's see. Last five games for the Bears opposing quarterbacks, uh, not counting the Vikings game where Kirk had a high percentage, but absolutely pitiful yards per game or yards per attempt. 57.9, 59.5, 46.7, 55.6. 57.9, 59.5, 46.7, 55.6. I mean, those are bad completion numbers. Interceptions against touchdowns: one, two, three, four, five, seven. Two touchdowns over seven INTs in the last four games for the Bears defense for opposing quarterbacks and a completion percentage that is in the low 50s. They're good. But again, I'm not going to take away from the fact that Kirk Cousins did not get it done. The Giants actually stunned the Bears in overtime at the start of the month in December 30 to 27 at the Meadowlands. And Eli Manning had those two touchdowns against that Bears defense, the only team, the only quarterback to have two touchdown passes in the final 6 games, although Kirk had one today. But at least Eli could operate to a certain extent. He had almost 200 yards, two touchdowns. Last week Uh, what's his name, Nick Mullins, for the the Niners, could operate. He was at 57%, 232 yards passing. Rodgers had 235 yards passing, but was not very good, didn't have any touchdowns. Spares D is pretty good. I would put a little flyer on them. In fact, I'm going to put a flyer on them to go to the Super Bowl. That said, Kirk haters, have a field day. I like the guy. He's an overachiever. He got out of Washington. He got paid. I can't hate him for that. I understand he's overpaid. I think he'll be better next year. I think he'll be better with the defense. If if the defense gets better, the the Vikings defense couldn't stop the Bears. That's, That's another thing to point out. The running game was not consistent. A lot of excuses. I know, excuses. Kirk sucks. Kirk sucks is overpaid. All right, well. Maybe Case Keenum will actually be available next year. Who knows? Or this offseason. Maybe he can trade Kirk in his big contract. Hey, as much money as it is, you're only on the hook for him for three years. So you wouldn't get rid of him after this year alone. Hey, didn't you hear the sounder? It's time to move on, Zabe. I know. Just let me make this point. You wouldn't move on from him after one year. That'd be insane. And he didn't have a bad year overall, statistically. He just came up. Limp in the clutch again. So next year, you hope he gets better. You hope you build a team around him. You hope he doesn't choke on you again. If he does, well, now you're already two-thirds of the way done with this massive contract, which, by the way, is going to be a modest contract for every future quarterback who ends up signing a deal. It's an expensive position in the NFL. Okay. That having been said, I now... Move on. Did you know the top five paid quarterbacks this year in the NFL all did not make the playoffs? Your stat of the day. I know, I should have done the sounder for that. (laughs) Are you going to let it go already on that? Okay, I'm now letting it go. Final 11 games of professional tackle football are upon us. It's very sad. Here they are. Uh, Saturday early game, Houston hosting your AFC 6-seed likely to be Indianapolis. That game is going on as I speak. 435 afternoon game on ESPN, so there you go. Seems like every time the Houston Texans have been in the playoffs the last X number of years, they've always played that afternoon game on Saturday. Here they are again. Wit Tass, and Boog. Your your team to announce that game on Saturday afternoon. Seattle-Dallas in prime time. From Jarrah World, Dallas is minus three. Uh, the line for the Houston game is not out yet because this game is not over right now. Sunday, so that game is on Fox on, on Saturday night, 8-15. Sunday's games, San Diego at Baltimore. The Ravens are minus two and a half right now, opening line. One o'clock on CBS. The afternoon game is Philly at Chicago, four forty on NBC. That game is not on the board yet because they don't know about the quarterback, whether it's Nick Foles or Nate Sudfeld. That line probably won't pop up till later in the week when they find out how bad or how good Nick Foles and his ribs feel. Four games this weekend. Four games after that. Two games. One done. Eleven more games. Hug it. Cherish it. Love it. It's all coming to an end. Let's wrap on this today. Dana White is awesome because as the president of the UFC, the guy just doesn't care what he says. He's just brutally honest, or what he thinks is honest. And Darren Ravel, who I also like, and I think is smart, and I think understands what he's talking about, (laughs) made the misfortune of saying something about how the UFC, having Amanda Nunez, or Nunez, defeat Chris Cyborg, whatever her name is, in like a minute flat, and it was a spectacular beatdown. Darren Revell said basically, yeah, this is bad for the UFC. Dana White did not take kindly to that. I guess saying stupid things sometimes makes you stand out. Uh, What's his name tonight? It's that idiot's name that I can't stand. Darren Darren Revell tweets out, the fuck does Darren Ravel know about fighting number one? okay let's let's start with that. And he says uh, the UFC got destroyed tonight because Chris cyborg lost and Amanda Nunes won and she's not marketable at all and fucking you know It's just like I, I listen, I'm pretty resilient to this dumb shit, but oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> Wow. So is he wrong though? Is this really who Dana White wanted to win? Either way, funny stuff. I don't think Darren minds. I think Darren looks at it like, hey, more people know about me now than they did before. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, like, tell a couple friends. Get the Zabecast app. Learn how to use all the features in it. I learned some features using it the other day. I was like, oh, this is really convenient. It's not the most intuitive. There's little menus you got to click on and figure out. But once you do, you're like, oh, this is great. Also, subscribe to the Premium Edition of the ZabeCast. Fridays will remain premium. I just don't know exactly what premium, but I'm going to figure it out with your help and input. So send me those uh, that input at zabeatyahoo.com. Now, go on out and make a list of resolutions you know you cannot keep for a single week, and we will see you... In the new year. Aha! Uh-huh. Aha! Uh-huh. Shut up, okay? Sorry. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, bowl season is almost over. Still good time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends just sit around watching the game. No, have a little something on it. 5, 10, 15, 20, who knows how many bucks. There were a record 41 bowl games to bet on this year and you've missed most of them, but not all of them, including New Year's Day coming up. And it also includes the national championship game on Jan seven. It really is still the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you are ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, which is always key. Ownership cares about good customer service, and they do offer some of the craziest prop bets around. Where you bet is just as important as who you are betting on, and if you want to make money during this, the bowl season and the playoffs in the NFL, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, and you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now, and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming college basketball season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid.